CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Football Countdown. And the Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at cfpodnetwork.ca and on Twitter at cfpodnetwork. Now let's get right into a recap of... What I like to call here in Winnipeg a Banjo Bowl weekend. But for those that were not necessarily involved in a rematch, although the only the early game this week was not a Labor Day rematch, we actually had a triple header on Saturday. Uh, Hamilton played Toronto, Winnipeg played Saskatchewan, and Edmonton played Calgary, and then the early game had... Ottawa and BC, so we're recapping week 13 in the Canadian Football League, and wow, what a crazy week it was. I keep saying, you know, the CFL starts after Labor Day. Well, I'm not quite too sure convinced we figured out what exactly is going on in the CFL this week. Let's start quickly with the... Ottawa BC game. BC wins to up the record. They're temporarily sitting in last place in the CFL at four and six. Ottawa with the loss falls into a tie for first in the East at six and five. And really, I mean, the story of the game was that Ottawa had one point at the half. Uh, in fact, this was a ten to one game at halftime. How did we get there? Well, Ricky Collins had himself a day. Ricky Collins, 33-yard touchdown pass from Travis Lule uh, at 11:02, made it six nothing. Tylon made the convert, and we have a seven nothing BC game after one quarter. In the second quarter, Ottawa received the punt single from Richie Leone at 13:27, 55 yards. And that is uh, where we sit at 7-1 to one before the end of the half. Tylon makes a 20-yard field goal. And it's going to be at 111 to make it 10-1 at halftime. Story in this game, and I can't quite remember when this happened, but Travis Lulee left the game with a head injury, I think, in the first quarter of the game um but anyway nonetheless early in the second half we'll touch on Lule in a second early in the second half BC would go up 17 to 1 oh sorry 16 to 1 it would be Brian Burnham a three-yard touchdown pass from from Jonathan Jennings at 11:48. they failed the two-point conversion 16 to 1 at that point if my math is correct Ottawa would get on the board and it will be 16 to 8. Bradson off with two yard touchdown pass. Uh, Louis Ward makes the convert 16 8 after three quarters. Ottawa pulls within a field. Uh, that's a field goal early in the fourth. Louis Ward, or Lewis Ward, 
I don't know why I like to call him Louie, but I don't know. Louie almost sounds better than Lewis, but uh, for the sake of this show, I'm going to call him Lewis. 40, 44-yard field goal. Uh, touch the deficit. And then it would be Ty Long getting a 37-yard field goal at 941. Lewis Ward with a second uh, field goal of the fourth quarter late in the game to make it uh, a 31-yarder at 522. And then a rushing touchdown to Salt bends away. Jeremiah Johnson sits there, touchdown pass. Or sits there, touchdown run, pardon me. And it will be 155. Final numbers, Travis Lule, 9 of 15 for 108 and a touchdown. Uh, did not finish the game. Uh, the big story here again, Trevor Harris, 21 of 36, 216 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. Uh, William Powell, 17 rushes, 82 yards, a 4.8-yard average for Ottawa. And it was Jeremiah Johnson who had a big run, especially on that game stealing touchdown. 11 carries, 69 yards, 6.3-yard average, and a touchdown. Brad Sinopoli, six receptions for 68 yards to lead in the way. Ricky Collins, 100-yard game, as I mentioned, pretty big game. 10 catches for 105, 10.5-yard average. And a touchdown. So, if you look at Ricky Collins, I mean, it's basically a first down. First down and a half a yard on every catch. That's pretty darn good. Uh, first downs, however, did favor Ottawa. It was 22-50 to 50 in the third down efficiency. Ottawa wound up going for it three times. Got it all three times. BC did not on the one time, but they got rushing yards. Favorite BC, 84-81. Passing yards, favored Ottawa, 188 to 163. Total yards, favored Ottawa, 269 to 247. The big thing, though, BC had six sats for a total of 40 yards lost. And BC had two sats for 13 yards. And the undoing stats, as far as the Ottawa Red Blacks were concerned, three interceptions thrown. And that's just unbelievable. Uh, penalties were relatively even. On the flip side, BC also lost three fumbles. Oh, sorry, fumbled the ball three times, did not lose one. Ottawa, so fumbled once and lost it. I'm reading this incorrectly. Final time of possession. 32-15 to 27-45 in favor of Ottawa. But yet, everything kind of favored BC. So, it's just a very interesting game nonetheless. Uh, you know, if, if you want to look at it, um, quite frankly, a season-saving uh, win for the BC Lions. And I did see something for... Jonathan Jennings, and I'm hoping that Travis Lula is okay. That was pretty scary hit, but not them out. Uh, not not them out, but not them out of the game. Um, I don't really want to see players like that, uh, any player, get hit, and I'm glad they had him under the concussion protocol. For Ottawa, I'm just not sure. Um, to me, it's a one-week Good one week bad thing up and down. They were six and three as you remember uh, after the bomber uh, win here in Winnipeg, and now all of a sudden they're six and five, and Hamilton's starting to kind of find their way. And 
I don't know. I think pretty soon we'll start to see Hamilton overtake Ottawa. I, I, I'm just not sure what to make of Ottawa at this point. They're too consistently inconsistent, if that makes any sense. So if you didn't catch that, I'll say that again. They're too consistently inconsistent. So that would be kind of the best way uh, to describe Ottawa at this point in time. BC, much the same. I, I just, I can't figure out BC either. They're so good at home, but yet have not had any success whatsoever away from BC Place Stadium, and they'll have to put that to the test against who would have fought. I would be saying this, the Red Hot Montreal Alouettes have won two in a row, coming off a bye, and seemingly have found their quarterback in Anthony, or Antonio, I don't know why I keep calling Anthony, Anthony Antonio, Anyway, so Pipkin, he is uh, going to get his third straight uh, start. Uh, actually, sorry, his fourth start. He's looking for his third win. It'll be his third in a row. He lost his opening uh, game. And a game that was winnable, as you may recall, uh, with very little uh, breathing room uh, and some mistakes at the end of the game. And that ended up being a loss. Well, Montreal, but they've since rebounded twice and had their bye week this past, or, yeah, they had their bye week this week, so we'll see what is going to come of that. I am very curious um, what we're going to get, and I, I think it's as simple as this. One, whatever happens on Friday between BC and Montreal, it's season continues for somebody, and season takes a a little bit more water in the boat for one team, whoever should lose this game. I, I think BC's in a much better position than Winnipeg. We'll talk about that um, later on in this show. So again, a very big win for BC and a very, I don't want to call it troublesome because, you know, you could kind of see it coming with uh, Ottawa historically has not had good success. Eastern teams when they made the trip west. I just don't know, but I can't describe if you're BC why, you know, you haven't had the same success at home that you have on the road. It's just, it's one of those perplexing things that doesn't make sense about sports. So for Ottawa, it doesn't get any easier this week. They have Saskatchewan, and I'm not too sure that is a very friendly matchup at this point in time. There was a quarterback that went down. I don't want to take too much of Ryan's thunder for the weekly preview, but it sounds like Zach Klaus will be back in that game. So that'll be really, really good for Saskatchewan. Um, when you look at just Ottawa, I mean, they need to find some consistency here. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I don't know if, you know, there's a lot of discussion about uh you know, Trevor Harris needing to enter, enter the upper echelon of the CFL. And I'm he throws for a lot of yards, but, you know, he hasn't won a lot of games uh, either. But I understand he's won a Grey Cup. Like, I know, sorry, he was, he, what am I saying? He wasn't even in the Grey Cup. That was Burris who won the Grey Cup for hours. So he's been a backup on a Grey Cup team. I don't know, like... He throws for so many yards, but yet his teams are so inconsistent. And, you know, they had that bat-to-bat struggle against Calgary. 
you know, Calgary, Calgary, and I don't know. It's just now there's some holes in the armor for Ottawa, and I hope they can get them fit because, you know, quite frankly, I mean, Ottawa's had a record despite winning Grey Cup. Their teams have historically been around 9-9, nine and nine and I don't know. It just seems to be trending in that same direction as well. Uh, for BC, I mean, this was a big win, but now they need to follow it up, and they need to be able to do it on the road. But to the video, I'm not too sure what's going to happen with that. Uh, BC's in Montreal. Montreal's not coming off the bye, like I said. So let's quickly move on. And first game of a triple header on Saturday, and that was Hamilton going to Toronto and... Basically taking Toronto behind the woodshed um, to the tune of t 36 to 25 in a game that I thought was not very close. Um, you know, if you look at it, I mean, first half was close. It was a two-point game at the half. And how did we get there? Luke Tasker, 17-yard touchdown pass from Jeremiah Mazzoli. Makes it 7 nothing. Zach Medeiros makes a 36-yard field goal and a 22-yard field goal before the end of the quarter. 7-6 Hamilton after one quarter. Brandon Banks absolutely went off in this game. Brandon Banks, 26-yard touchdown uh, catch from Jeremiah Mazzoli. Halahu made, Halahu made the... Uh, point after and has subsequently also gotten a point single off that ensuing tip-off. So then Toronto gets a 10-yard touchdown pass from McCraw Bethel Thompson to Amani Edwards at 6.54. Third quarter, Hamilton scores 10 unanswered points. First to 12.09, Liram Halawahu gets a 52-yard field goal. And then a deep strike, Jeremiah Mazzoli. The Brandon Banks 78 yards for a touchdown at 8.55. And it just did not look good uh, for the Toronto Argonauts. They would get a two-yard touchdown run from backup James Franklin. Again, a lot of Franklin's touchdowns are coming uh, via the rushing touchdown down near the goal line. Alex Green made amends for a big, big uh, fumbled a drive, couple drives earlier, catching a 34-yard touchdown pass from Jeremiah Mazzoli. And they add on the two-point convert at 7.42 of the third, of the fourth quarter, pardon me. Then Liram Hawahu gets a 50-yard field goal to make it uh, a much wider game. And then SJ Green, 31 yards from a club, Bethel Thompson. They failed the two-point conversion. Making your final 36-25. And it was, again, a much closer game. And I think the score indicated is a much closer game in the final minutes of the game than it showed, is what I was trying to say. Alex Green, 13 carries, 60 yards, no touchdowns, 4.6 yard average. James Wilder, 11 carries, 76 yards, 6.9 yard average. Brandon Banks, six catches, 153, 25.5-yard average. That's just ridiculous. 
uh, two touchdowns, and then Ardos were led by Amani Edwards, nine catches, 112 yards, 12.4 yard average, and a touchdown total yards. Favorite Hamilton, 413 to 383. And if you want to look at one single stat in this game, it was that the time of possession actually favored Toronto, 3114 to 2846. I mean, give June Jones credit. How many times did we talk last year about, and this was in the Ken Austin days, where, um, yeah, it was interesting uh, to to say the very least with regard to, you know, what Brandon Banks has done since June Jones has come to Hamilton. It's like he's a rein, reinvigorated player, and that is very, very exciting. Uh, there were some people, myself included, that wondered if, Brandon Banks had a ceiling outside of being a very, very good kick returner. I think we're getting that answer now. As far as the Ardos, I mean, I don't know how you can go and just save it this team and didn't make the playoffs. Like, this fall is unbelievable. You know, granted, they won the Grey Cup because of two plays that their defense made and they, and they got there because they had a pretty good record in the superior division but I mean now the Yardles are kind of kind of I don't know I don't want to call them a train wreck because they're not but you know I think their inability at quarterback is really hurting them uh Ricky Ray not there James Franklin supposedly losing his backup job and believe it or not they're not the Yardles are now in last place at three and eight in the in the uh in the East Division, it's just who would have thought that in Montreal's three games back of a home playoff game or two games back of the final playoff spot, which is currently occupied by Winnipeg. Winnipeg holding that spot by two games. Mathematically, it only shows one game in the standings, but uh, Winnipeg does have the tiebreaker over BC. So nervous times for that East Division and... Now it's a six-point spread between third and fourth, which is all tied, and first and second, which is all tied. So six and five and three and eight are the teams out east. So that's just, and I think Hamilton's rounding into form. Uh, they made a couple big interesting moves. Uh, they did get uh, Chad Owens first off, and Owens got hurt in the first practice. I don't know whether he's going to end up signing with them or what the deal is. Uh, he's on the process roster. I don't know if he's going to make it to the active roster or not. The other one was Mark William McDaniel. That happened on Sunday. Uh, Ryan can probably touch on that in the preview show for next week. I'm not even sure what to make of these two teams, to, to be very honest. Uh, two teams that are heading in very opposite directions. And we will see what becomes of it. Hamilton, I think, will overtake anybody in the East. I think right now, certainly, they're a better team than Ottawa. Ottawa's got to find it, like I said. They're just too inconsistently inconsistent. So we'll see what happens when it comes to that. Oh, boy. Just when you thought things get crazier, there's the banjo bowl. Um... 
And let's recap, uh, starting with the final score, and that was with the Riders improved to 7-4, and four, second in the West now, with a 32-27 victory over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and the big story was the second quarter where the Riders outscored the Bombers 20-7, to seven, and in the second half also outscored the Blue Bombers, but just wasn't meant to be for the Blue Bombers, uh, Bombers did off to a great start. Field goal from Madlock, 29 yards. Can't finish off the drive at 10-20. Then Anthony Dater pits off uh, Zach Talaros for a 55-yard pitch sits, 10-0. Then all of a sudden, the Bombers driving down to the goal line in the second quarter. And, I mean, this unexplainably happens a Willie Jefferson 97-yard pit sits return to get the Riders going at 10 to 7. Benny, yeah, I'm just checking here, 10 to 7. 7 12, it was Chris Drevler, one air touch and run up at the bombers up 17 to 7. Riders have made it 17 11 and 17 14 in a short span. And then at the end of the half, Another pit sits with the Bombers driving down near the goal line. Samuel McLaughlin, 103-yard pit sits return for a touchdown. It is the first time in modern history that uh, two CFL teammates have uh, interception returns greater than 90 yards. So doesn't look too good on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Anyway, so Saskatchewan led at the half. They get the only points of this third quarter, and the Bombers just really, really, really trying to hang on at this point. Brett Lauder, 38-yard field goal, and a Brett Lauder, 23-yard field goal. Then all of a sudden, the Bombers showed some life, scoring 10 straight points. I had to take a one-point lead, a 10-26. Daniel Peterman, 9-yard touchdown pass from Chris Strebler, convert made by Madlock. Then the Medlock field goal to put the Bombers up 26-24. If I get my score right, yep. And then all of a sudden in the last three minutes of the football game, Riders put together two field goals. Uh, Brett Lauder, 248 with a 15-yard field goal. And with 46 seconds left to make the Bombers have to drive down the field. He got a 45-yard field goal to make the final score. 32-27, so it's 29-27. Uh, so the Bombers did lead 27-26 into the final three minutes of the football game. Uh, final stats, I don't even want to talk about uh, Matt Nichols. Neither does the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, so I'll just give you uh, Chris Drebler's final stats. 10 of 20, 161 touchdown, two interceptions. It was Zach Talaros, although he didn't finish the game, 13 of 24 for 173 in the interception. That was, of course, the Dater Pitsits. Big difference where I think the game was won on the line of scrimmage, and that was Trey Mason, 20 carries for 117 yards. Andrew Harris, 10, 10, uh, 10 carries, sorry, for 21 yards, a 2.1 yard average. Uh, Jordan Williams, Lambert, five receptions for 71 for the Riders to lead the way. Uh, Daniel Peterman, four catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown. Everything just just, just weird. 
the stats favoring the bombers, but if you take the if you it it's just so weird. Like the stats favor the bombers, like passing yards three three fifteen to one ninety eight for Winnipeg. Total yards three seventy five to three twenty two. Sats, the Riders had three to the Bombers one. Here's the interesting thing. The Bombers as a team threw five interceptions, two of which were brought back for a touchdown, a couple more of which led to scoring drives. So, I don't know. It's just really weird. And then final total possession favored the Riders, 30-48 to 29-12. So it's just like there's some games in the CFL that are not explainable. How down near the goal line you cannot get a single point? Like, it, it's just baffling to me. Like, you're talking about a 14-point swing with those two pit sixes. You know, you're looking at the Bombers. If they convert those touchdowns, and that's a big if, of course. But you're looking at the Bombers being up like 24-3 to or 27-3 to at some point. And, you know, it's just a completely different game. And now all of a sudden the pit sits. The two pit sixes that the Riders back in the game, and I don't know. It's just, and on the flip side, this that's what I I honestly don't know if you know the way they're playing is sustainable because you know they're getting an average of I think I read somewhere thirteen or fourteen points a game scored by their defense. They've already broken a record for most pit sixes in a year. Uh, Imitating football lead, so they did that this past weekend, and you know Charlton Hughes is just a sap machine, like far and away. And then Willie Jefferson is that's some athletic guys on that defense, and you know what the one thing they do so well, and you can see this when they when they when they go up to the line, and that's basically if you can get your hands up, get it up, right? And there's a lot of deflections, a lot of you know, interceptions that were off of people's hands and into people's hands. And, you know, they play smart. They swarm with the ball. They have guys in possession and in position and hands up and it falls into the hands. And, I mean, I'm not going to. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about is just that first pit sits. I don't can't remember, remember now at this point who got it. I'm just going to quickly chat. And that was... Willie Jefferson on the 97-yarder, but I honestly, like, I'm not sure what the heck he's doing running down the sideline. Like, I understand he wants to showboat, but to me, that, like, I don't know. It's like, and the Bombers rightfully so just about almost got the ball. Um, I just don't like the showboat, and there was a lot of stuff in that game, but you can tell that this is a rivalry. Uh, both starters didn't make it out of the game. Uh, there was a lot of injuries uh, on either side, both sides of the ball for both teams. So, And it was not a fun opportunity. Matt Nettles, of course, at halftime does not return for the second half, not due to injury, but due to coach's decision. And, you know, Chris Trevler, credit where credit's due, Played well enough to give the Bombers the lead in the final three minutes. And I think it was just acting a little bit too much to ask them to do a little bit more. I don't know, given the situation. Uh, for the record, I, I, I totally expect when, you know, the Bombers are in action that's Friday, but it will be Matt uh, Nichols. I didn't so much roll outside. I just, 
I just can't see anybody but Matt Nichols uh, being the guy against Montreal in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, Chris Traveler, okay, you know what, you start him, he's got success against Montreal. Remember that one game at Molson Stadium in Montreal, but let's just say it doesn't go go well. And then you go back to Nichols where you lost the game, uh, trying to figure out who your quarterback was. And, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but Matt Nichols' record coming into this year was something like 20 and 8 as a bomber starter, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. And to be honest with you, I, I, I don't think he's fully healthy after that preseason injury, so I, I think that has a lot to do with it. But, you know, I just think, you know, looking back and having a couple of days to reflect on it, I I, I just think that uh, he was forcing too much. Uh, I think the pressure is getting to him. He wanted to make a couple of plays uh, to make something happen, and, Unfortunately, when you try to force things and try to be a hero, that's when your mistakes happen, and and it's just unfortunate right now. But I really do think the Bombers need to come back with Matt Nichols, and uh, not to say that I haven't seen enough from Strebler, uh to uh, warrant that he might be worth a longer look down the line. But I, I think at this point right now, your best quarterback to win is Matt Nichols, and I think you at least give him one more chance. I, I just don't see why you wouldn't. Uh, you know, you you go with the quarterback that gives yourself the best chance to win. And having followed this team and being all year in, in, in some kind of discussion, uh, I just don't see how that quarterback is not Matt Nichols. And, you know, people have to realize that the defense has finally been dead. So it's a very... Uh, Interesting scenario for sure. Um, we will talk about the last game here real quick. I apologize. This show will be a little bit quick. I have some stuff come up this week again. and Well, I have enough time now to sit down and, and do this podcast, which I love to do and talk football. It's extremely hard to do. Uh, I'm not searching for excuses, but it's extremely hard to do with uh, without a co-host. Uh, um, there should be one next week, if not the week after, but I'm pretty sure I'll have a co-host after next week's show. Uh, the last game of the week sees Edmonton beat Calgary 48-42. And it's just going to take me a while to run through everything that happened in the game. First quarter, Edmonton rushing touchdown. Mike Riley, two-yard rushing, rushing touchdown. Uh, Deveris Daniels, 77-yard catch from Bowley by Mitchell. Uh, Duke Williams, 29-yard TD pass from Mike Riley. And then Vidal Hazelton, 4-yard TD pass from Mike Riley. So, story of the game, Mike Riley had a pretty big game in the third in the first quarter. 21-14 after one quarter. Edmonton, we did a field goal. Sean White, 52-yard field goal and a rushing touchdown from Mike Riley. So, up the deficit to 31-14 at that point. And Calgary at the end of the second quarter would get a Mark and Michelle 41 yard uh, touchdown to make it 31 21. Edmonton would get a field goal early in the third quarter, 23 yard, and makes it 34 21. Uh, Calgary would get a. I, I can't even keep up at this point. Edmonton, Calgary. Basically, it's changed touchdowns. Lamar Morris, 75-yard touchdown run. Then two rushing touchdowns, or two touchdowns. 
Mike Riley one yard touchdown run and then Kenny Stafford a six yard touchdown catch from Mike Riley. Calgary got the only two touchdowns of the fourth quarter to pull within uh, the final deficit of 648-42. And that is uh, basically because Romar Morris 42 yard touchdown pass from Bowley by Mitchell and Romar Morris actually catching the other one for, from eight yards out. So Omar Morris had himself a pretty darn big game, uh, for sure. Uh, Romar Morris, seven carries, 95 yards, 13.6 yard average, and two touchdowns. And, of course, has those couple receiving touchdowns. No C.J. Dable for Edmonton. So it is uh, Shot Cooper, eight carries, 42 yards, and a 5.3 yard average. Uh, Deveris Daniels, four catches for 16 116 yards, pardon me, a 29-yard average and one touchdown. Duke Williams, what can you say about this guy? He is clearly injured in the first quarter. He's not putting any weight on one side of his body. He's using one hand to make catches for the vast majority late in the first half and early in the set, and the entire second half. Comes up with seven catches for 172 yards and one touchdown. The big thing is that... Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, and here is the undoing, if you want to talk about Calgary. They turned the ball over seven times. Uh, I think a couple times on downs, uh, three three or so fumbles and three interceptions, something like that. I don't have the full breakdown. Bo Levi Mitchell threw for almost 500 yards, and yet it was not good enough because he threw for three interceptions. Bo Levi Mitchell, 23 of 46 for 491, four touchdowns and three interceptions. Well, Mike Riley says, I can do you one better, basically, and does this. 30 of 44 for 397, three passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, and one interception. That might be the quarterback performance of the year, never mind performance of the year to date. And I think it puts Mike Riley in a conversation with uh, with the very best in the game and I think he right now is a front runner for MOP uh, in the CFO regardless of record. Here's another interesting thing as well here just touching on this real quick. Edmonton the biggest thing they were doing is they were scoring touchdowns something they haven't been able to do when they've been losing and they've been able to put the ball in the end zone down near the goal line. Calgary on the other hand I mean, they turned the ball over seven or eight times. That's completely not like Calgary, and that just beats to how good Edmonton's defense was in a game like this. But another thing is, you know, they turned the ball over seven times, Calgary, and they almost came back to win. I believe I Metro finds, I think it was Juwan Brustison in the end zone. I can't quite remember who it was, but goodness, he almost came down with that, and I think about a second and a half to two seconds later, if you would have hung on to that, I think they would have called it a touchdown. It's in his hand against the entire base. Basically, all the Edmonton cornerbacks are fighting him for the football, and yet Bustison almost comes up with it. It's just maddening what can happen in the CFL. Uh, CFL this coming up week. Just talked about that here real quick. BC Montreal on Friday at 6.30 Central. And the two games on Saturday, the Hall of Fame game, Calgary at Hamilton. That's going to be a really good game. I think that's the game of the week. And then Ottawa, Saskatchewan 
at 8.30. That Calgary Hamilton game at 3 o'clock Central. Edmonton, Winnipeg. Edmonton, Winnipeg, and I'm trying to figure out who the third team is. Oh, Toronto is on a bye this week. And then I believe this is the last three. Yep. It's the last three-game week in the Canadian Football League. What I can recall. Yeah, that's the last three-game week. Everything else will have four. Three teams on a bye this week. Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Toronto. So it's been a crazy week in the CFL. Looking forward to talking more CFL with everyone. And hopefully with a co-host for week number... I think when we get together to talk about week 14... So we'll see what happens. That show will come out early next week on week number 14. But this was week number 13. It was a crazy week. Quick recap in the standings for you. Uh, real fast before I let everyone go. Uh, six and five. Ottawa's tied with Hamilton. Ottawa has the tiebreaker right now at six and five. It is number one, two in the east. Montreal and Hamilton so Montreal and Toronto are tied at three and eight. It is Calgary at nine and two. Saskatchewan at seven and four. Edmonton at seven and five. Winnipeg at five and seven. Currently holding the crossover. One game up on. Actually, there's two games up on the crossover right now. Because they also have the tiebreaker with BC. So, Finn's not starting to slip away quite yet for the Blue Bombers, but uh, getting close for. For sure, and their schedule is not favorable down the stretch. And people think that Montreal might be the only free spot on the bingo card. I'm not even sure that's a free spot anymore. I don't even know who the free spot is on the board right now. So it's just, it's so maddening. Like, I could make a case for every single one of these teams, Montreal and Toronto included. That a Finch one, right? They could legitimately win the great Cup, but I, I think, uh, I think there will be a crossover. Unless Montreal does something and Toronto does something to cut into that deficit. But I think it's really down to Winnipeg and BC for the crossover. And I just, I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think the Bombers find a way to get that crossover. I, I think their West Division aspirations are done. Granted, they have a couple, I think they have uh, two more games with Edmonton. So that might. Uh, change the balance of power, but tell you what, it's a brutal schedule. Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan, I think they got Ottawa in there yet, too, somewhere, so I think they got one more trip to Ottawa, too, so you know, there's not a lot of room for the Blue Bombers to make errors, and I, it starts with getting their quarterback situation right, and and when they can do that, they'll be fine. Uh, players of the week, here real quick, uh, I'm going to give Mike Riley accolades for offense. Give my player of the week to Willie Jefferson for being a beast against the Blue Bombers. And my special teams player of the week is Louis Ward for Ottawa. And I'm going to start the Louis Lewis Ward um, Rookie of the Year campaign because I believe that uh, Lewis might be the player for that award. Quickly here, the Canadian Football Countdown. It's probably a member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Like you know, check out all the shows online at cfpodnetwork.ca on the internet and on the CF Pod Network on Twitter as well. 
Speaking of social media, you can follow our show on social media. And I'm just trying to find the information. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Doodle Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Remember to listen to old episodes of the show by visiting our website, mightfmwinnipeg.com, slash the Canadian Football Countdown, and height uh, d- dashes between the... Basically, every word in the Canadian Football Countdown has a dash in it. That's how you get to our website. Of course, you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at CFC on MightyFM. This has been a presentation of the Canadian Football Countdown. This is Michael Dale saying, have a great week. I'll talk to you next week, hopefully with a close. If not, I'll be back early in the week as well. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. Thanks for listening. Have a great day, everybody.